So last week we started this Overcome Preaching series um, in which we're addressing just a number of barriers that the Bible says that there are to our growth spiritually as Christians. Um, we started by saying you need to expect a battle, and if you missed it last week, uh, even if you were here, what I want you to understand that I said, and I think the Bible tells us, is that we are to expect a battle, but we are to expect to win that battle. Spiritually, we're told that. I want us to consider this morning what I think is our, our most tangible tool in this battle that we have, and that is our Bible. Okay? The Word of God. For many, the Bible is like a, it's like a textbook. Okay? Some just like, like a resource for understanding the events of the past. Okay? A way to transfer facts into our lives. We read, we memorize, we note, that type of thing. And if that's the case, then, then for, for many people, the Bible has never moved from a tool of information to a tool of transformation. Okay? Yet life has shown, like, the Bible is essential. God's Word is essential for transformation in our lives spiritually. Without it, okay, and the right use of it, we are going to stall out spiritually. We will stop growing in that way. Now, the Bible shapes us. It empowers us. It's the primary means by which God has chosen to reveal himself to us and to teach us to know and to understand and to really be able to follow him. There is no spiritual growth apart from God's word. Those, that's not just my word. That's what the Bible tells us. So I, I'm excited for you to think with me this morning about um, th- this beautiful gift that God has given us in the scriptures and the value that it has for growing our spiritual lives. So start with, let's think about this, that, that the Bible reveals God's will for my life. Okay? It reveals God's will for my life. Life is full of challenges and choices. And most of them are not simply good and evil or black and white. They're more challenging than that. So how, how do I determine what is good? And how do I determine what is best? What's the will of God for me as his child? Who wants to live a life that honors him as opposed to um, a choice that may get me there eventually, but will include a lot of detours because it's based on my best thinking instead of on God's best thinking. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet. It's a light on my path. Paul wrote to his apprentice Timothy, you might be familiar, probably are with this scripture, but it gives us words about the value of the Bible's wisdom and its usefulness as it relates to um, living a life for God. Beginning in verse 14 of chapter 3, 2 Timothy, Paul writes, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching 
rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We've all tried our hand at life. We've explored our own ways and made choices based on our own thoughts. Left to ourselves, um, there are times when we've come up with some good ideas, uh, well, and sometimes when maybe we, our ideas haven't been so great, right? But if you look at our history, your history and my history, you and I have often done things that are contrary to God's will, and yet we thought they were best. But in the end, we look back and we say, that is not at all what God wanted. But the Bible reveals how God's thoughts are different than our thoughts, and His ways are better than our ways. It shows us that, that the greatest in the kingdom are servants, and they're humble, and they're peacemakers. The Bible tells us that the way to store up your treasures in heaven are by giving away your treasure here on earth. It tells us that life is found not in our own strength or our own victory, but true life is found in laying down our lives for the lives of others in the sake of Jesus. Now that's transformational thinking, and that's the key to growing spiritually, knowing the God who made us, how it is this God who made us wants us to actually live. I think that um, Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, that we're to be changed, with the result being, so you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. His will sometimes seems elusive, but oftentimes it's not. It's revealed in the Scriptures The Bible is essential for our spiritual growth because it reveals God's will to us. But second, it also provides food for our spiritual life. Now, maybe maybe it's harder to do after just coming off the holidays, right? But imagine you go a day without eating. Now, there might have been times these couple weeks where you thought, I'd love to have a day without eating. (laughs) But what about a week? What about a month? As time goes by, you get weaker and weaker without food. Our bodies need nourishment to live. And the same is true with our spiritual lives. We we live in a day that's reflective of the words of the prophet Amos. Amos wrote in Amos chapter 8 verse 11 that there would be a famine through the land. Not a famine of food or a thirst of water, but a famine of hearing the word of the Lord. The church as a whole whole has changed over the years. And Christians have changed over the years. And a complacency has set in with regard to the Bible that has left the church weak and malnourished. I mean, you think about it, we have more access to the Bible than ever before and yet seem somehow to access 
it less. Um, like a person who doesn't eat properly. The more you remove the Bible from somebody's life, the more you inhibit their spiritual growth because nothing can replace the Bible for helping us to grow spiritually. Worship music can't do it. Okay? Fellowship won't do it. Even good Christian books or study materials are no replacement for the Word of God itself. They're all good things, but real growth in our lives, spiritually, only comes through the Word of God. Remember when Jesus quoted Deuteronomy 8, chapter 3? He, he had been in the wilderness. Okay? He'd been fasting for 40 days. He was weak. He was hungry, and Satan tried to get him to compromise who he was. And Jesus pushed back with these words from Deuteronomy 8.3. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Now this message about the scriptures is in this series on overcoming barriers to spiritual growth because if you want to grow spiritually, you are going to have to feed on the word of God. It's an irreducible minimum. When you embrace the truth, when you have a consistent intake of the Bible, you progress spiritually. Without it, you're going to starve spiritually. And sometimes if we were just, would take a step back from our lives, we realize that is exactly what is happening in our spiritual life. It's not that the church has gotten boring. It's not that people don't care anymore. It's not that I don't know what to do. It's just I've removed myself from the nutrition, from the, from the feeding that's happened in my life. And that's why I've stopped growing. Now, we're committed to do our part as a church. When you come here on Sunday morning, you're going to be fed from the Scriptures. Okay? When you engage in one of our Christian education classes, you're going to be fed from the Scriptures. If your children are involved in our student ministry or our children's ministry, they are going to be fed from the Scriptures but you cannot live, much less grow or thrive on one or two meals a week. It just doesn't work. Read your Bible. Meditate on the words of God. Okay. Apply it under the direction of God's Holy Spirit. And you're going to find yourself experiencing life with God in a more incredible way than you ever have before. That's one of God's promises for us. Now, sometimes in life, honestly, we need more than just God's direction. Okay? And we need more than just to be fed. So I appreciate that with regard to the Bible, that it also provides discernment of our thoughts and our motives. In the book of Hebrews, the author writes in chapter 4, verse 12, these words, For the word of God is living and powerful, Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Okay? As people, it's natural for us to seek our own interests. Okay? So it isn't easy for us to discern um, life's complexities, much less our own life. Right? Our judgments are often tainted by our personal opinions or by our emotions, or by our experiences that go against God's will, but, but God's will cuts through all of this and separates out self-seeking in our lives and determines 
what is truth, what is righteousness. And it reveals what's our will and what's God's will and separates that out for us. I love the confidence of the psalm writer. Psalm 119, it's a beautiful psalm. It's very long, okay? But it talks about the word of God throughout. And in verses 97 to 102, here's a, here, here is the confidence of a person who is um, engaged in God's word. He writes, oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. He wasn't cocky. He wasn't being arrogant. He simply understood that God's word brought wisdom to his life. Wisdom has very little to do, I've learned, with how long I've been a Christian. It has a lot to do with how much exposure I have given myself and my heart to the truth of God's word. Spiritual growth is not automatic. It's a process that takes discipline as we steadily put God's word into our mind and into our heart. Now, the Bible is crucial, I think, if we want to navigate this ever-changing world. So, number four, it also clarifies righteousness in a world of relativity. I hope you appreciate the value of this. I remember as a teenager... Okay? A new Christian, 15 years old, one of the most impactful verses of Scripture to me was in the same psalm, Psalm 119, verse 9. Okay? When I memorized it, the verse read, How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. Okay? Now, I can't tell you, in the, in the most recent translation of the NIV, you read it says, How can a young person stay on the path of purity? Okay. For those of you who, who have um, been around for a little while, okay, you, you'll understand how many times has the path to purity changed in the world in the last 35 years? And even more sad, how many times has the path to purity changed in the church for the past 35 years? As society has rejected God, and rejected his word, and rejected his standards. We've lost all sense of moral purity. How do you know what's right or wrong? How do you know what's pure or impure? How do you know what's holy or unholy? Well, we know because we have a holy God who never changes, and he sets our moral compass And so while the world is all over the place, morally and in terms of holiness, we have this true north because God never changes and his word remains true. Society has changed. The world has changed. Morality has changed. But the word of God and the holiness of God are the same as they were 35 years ago, as they were 3,000 years ago ago the bible helps us grow spiritually by showing us what is right and pure 
and holy. And it reveals sin. And it displays holiness. We grow spiritually when we see our sin. And then we repent of it. And then by God's grace we choose holiness. The psalmist shows us what it looks like to thrive in righteousness. I love these verses. They're very the first three verses in the book of Psalms. So Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. If you want a picture of someone who thrives in a holy life, this is it. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. Look at this picture. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. Doesn't that sound like someone who is overcoming the barriers that they face in life spiritually? And not just overcoming them, but thriving in them. And then finally, I just think it's important for us to realize and be encouraged by the fact that in the Bible that, that it's filled with God's promises with his promises. As I said last week, when we make the decision to grow spiritually, there's going to be a battle. And the battle for our heart doesn't go away, it actually intensifies. We still experience the lure of the world, we still have the temptation from within, and we still have the attacks of, of the enemy, but God promises to fight with us. And he promises to fight for us and give us everything we need to overcome all these things for life and godliness. Well, how do I know that and say that with confidence? Well, because the Bible promises it for us. It's full of extraordinary promises. It talks about all the things that belong to us as God-honoring Christ followers. There's almost an infinite number of promises in the Scripture made to those who live according to God's will. We do our part. God shows us. And then we live as overcomers. Now last week we looked at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. And I'm going to add verse 4 to it because I think it helps us get a fuller picture. In chapter 1, verse 3 of 1 Peter, we read last week, His divine power has giving, given us everything we need. Everything we need. For a godly life for our not, through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Verse 4, through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by an evil desire. Are you interested in these promises? Do you want to see what God does? What His will is? What He will do for those who live according to His word? Pick up your Bible. Open your Bible. Read your Bible. It will tell you of all the promises that can be yours both in this life and in eternity if you do the will of God. Now I want you to actually pick up your Bible. Okay, open it. I want you to turn to the book of Mark, chapter 4. It's page 993 in that Bible in front of you in the chair. Okay? To clarify things, I want to have Jesus' own words remind us just how much control we actually have 
over our own spiritual growth as it relates to the Word of God. Okay, I'm going to begin in verse 3 of Mark chapter 4. Jesus tells a parable. It's a story with a spiritual meaning. Jesus says, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear, which Jesus, that's Jesus' way of saying, pay attention, <laughs> okay, or listen up, listen to what I'm saying. Verse 10, when he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. And then in verse 13, he's going to explain. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? <clears throat> How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word, meaning the word of God. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them because the heart was hard, because it never penetrated, because it might have been heard by the ears, but it never went any farther. Then he says, Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word, and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. I mean, they're looking for the next best thing, and this was the next best thing, but it wasn't the best thing when it became a painful thing. <laughs> when, when it meant I actually had to change my life. I'm not quite in for that. And so it goes away that quickly. Still others like seed thrown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Now the seed was the same in all four cases, all four scenarios, how it was received is what creates the different results. The Bible has all the potential to change your life. You choose how much it's changed by what you do with it, by even engaging with it. And then when you engage with it, letting it transform and change your life through the power of the Holy Spirit. You can ignore it, and like that first seed zone, it will have no effect. You can listen to it and even believe it, but if you don't make changes in your life, it'll have no long-term effect. You can even listen to it and believe it and, and put it um, as a value in your life with all the other values in your life, Jesus says. But all those other values in your life, if you don't give it priority, they all scream louder. <laughs> and they're going to choke it out. They're going to call and demand for more attention unless you give it that attention or, Jesus says... You can receive it as it really is. 
Receive it as the Word of God. You can let it have priority in your life and give the reading and studying of it priority in your life. And if you do, it will fuel your spiritual life and you will live the life of an overcomer. Think about the life that you've lived. If you have a history of time with Jesus and life with him and you think about the times when you have grown the strongest, when you've grown the deepest, maybe when you've progressed the fastest. Oftentimes there's an outside factor, right? <laughs> the world, temptation from within, something is hurting, there's pain, something is falling apart, you feel insufficient, something is struggling. But in your struggle, you turn to God's Word and you dug into God's Word. And in the most difficult times in our lives, sometimes we grow the most spiritually because we're doing what we have been told to do all along, leaning into God, taking in His Word, leaning on it and applying it. The Apostle John wrote these words in his third letter. Um, there's no chapters, it's only one chapter. So Third John verse 4 says this, I have no greater joy than this, than to hear of my children walking in the truth. Now that is at the heart of every parent. <laughs> every parent who has struggled with their inadequacies as a parent right, knows this verse. I have no greater joy than to know that my children are walking in the truth. It's the heartbeat of every parent. And it's the heartbeat of every Christian leader. And it's the greatest joy because when we embrace and we live out the truth of the Scriptures, when we're walking in the truth, that's when we grow spiritually. Now, if you need a Bible today, just take one of those from the chair in front of you. We want you to have one so that you can read one and take it in. If you're thinking, where do I start to get plugged in? If, if you really want to fall in love with God's Word, take this Psalm 119. It's divided into, I don't know, 21 or 22 sections of eight verses apiece. And so for the next 21 or 22 days, just read another section of Psalm 119 and just understand all of the benefits that God's Word has when you engage with it and put it in place in your life. Okay? If you want to start by learning more about Jesus and falling in love with Him more, start in the book of John and just read slowly and, and with intent through the book of John. If you want to think about how do I practically live out my faith, start in the book of James and read the book of James, not just to read it, but to understand and apply it. If you're in a deep, difficult time in your life and you think, I just want, I just want some, some joy in the midst of this crisis, read the book of Philippians. The scripture is full of everything you need for life and for godliness along with the Holy Spirit's help. And if you just want to connect with Jesus, and maybe you haven't done that before, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing. And I'd invite you to just meet me in the back and talk with us about what it means to connect with Jesus. Don't miss this part. We could go through every other piece in this series about spiritual growth and barriers to it. But if you miss this, your hope for overcoming is diminished severely.